This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. We're all part of a global capitalist economy, a system that promised to benefit the rich and the poor alike. Yet, youth unemployment rate has been on the rise, salaries have stagnated for close to 20 years, despite the massive increase in cost of living, cost of education is at an all-time high, and the average millennial and Gen Z cannot even afford adequate housing on a single paycheck, despite it being a fundamental human right. So what went wrong? And what's the solution here? I'm Darshan Johan, and this is Think Left on Beyond the Ballot Box, a series that explores various issues through a leftist and socialist prism with Party Socialist Malaysia. On today's episode, we discuss gender equality and how it intersects with socialism. Joining me on the show today is Christine Gabriel from PSM's Gender Bureau. Welcome to the show, Christine. Now, Marxists believe that there are two classes in society. The owner class, um, such as the ultra-wealthy, the big business tycoon, so on and so forth, and the working class. And in, 21st, uh, in, in, in the 21st century, um, socialism um, talks about the working class as the bottom 90, even bottom 99% of the masses, um, you know, small business owners, so on and so forth, are included in this category. Now, if there are only two classes in society, how does the fight for women's rights um, um, or women's liberation or gender equality and the likes fit into this Marxist or socialist framework? Hi, Dash. If you want to look at Marxist framework, we look at it as the oppressor and the oppressed. Right. So, of course, the oppressors here are the ruling class and the oppressed are the um, proletariats. Mm-hmm. So, when of you know, the question of where does we fight for women fit into it is that the system of capitalism itself uh, feeds patriarchy and it creates this hierarchy it creates domination patriarchy actually existed even before capitalism mm-hmm. it was already there but capitalism makes it thrive makes patriarchy thrive so men become more dominant men are given the space to be more dominant to be more hierarchical and women are the one are the most hit by it when people think of socialism um the the association is that it's automatically it's a class struggle so what role did socialists and leftists play historically in the fight for a more gender-equal society? Okay, so uh, some people that we can talk about is uh, Mao, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he talked about uh, a famous quote by him in 1968 was, women hold up half the sky. Right. Right. So, you know, in uh, during his time, uh, the Chinese uh, Communist Party in 1950, they, you know, in the marriage law, they outlawed uh child marriages, um, arranged marriages, and then also land law where they mobilised women to participate more in labour forces. So then uh, even like some, uh, Fred Hampton, the Illinois Black Panther Party who was mm-hmm. murdered in uh, at the age of 21, also really encouraged women to take up space, uh, to take up greater responsibility. Incidences where women are being um, harassed was directly confronted. You know, and let's not forget uh, Lenin. Mm-hmm. You know, Lenin very strongly believes that um, socialism can only achieve be achieved or there's no revolution without women's participation in politics. One of the most interesting aspects of leftist thinking is how almost everything is tied to wealth or material. 
right? For example, the idea that of racism, right? Um, many socialists um, have said that while racism is real, race in and of itself is a social construct created to enrich the few at the expense of the masses. In other words, the very creation of race is an economic project. Colonization was an economic project. I'm wondering if patriarchy is an economic project as well. Actually, Marx and Engels did say that it's the capitalist society that created a patriarchal society, right. but there are opposing thoughts and mm-hmm. views to this, right? Because patriarchy actually was already present. Um, you know, there are many different theories around when it started. But what I think it's very important for us to know is that capitalism is um, really thriving with patriarchy. Right. Like How it, so? It, feeds off each other. So like um, the system of uh, domination, for example, because capitalism is, you know, there is an oppressor, there's an oppressed. So male privileges, you know, men being in positions of power and uh, and whenever crisis hits, uh, capitalism thrives. Right? So like you see the pandemic, right? Capitalism is, it, it has this inherent ability to to survive. Right. It finds ways to find look for profit. So the one that is most hit is women. You know, they are the first to lose their jobs. Um, you know, caretaking and things like that is, uh, you know, you can see these kinds of things happening. We live in an unequal society, right? Especially with regard to gender. Talk to me about some of the ways in which women are marginalised today, both globally and in Malaysia. Malaysia's population, it's almost 50-50. Right. 50% men, 50% women. And yet, there's still we, we rank very poorly in the um, gender gap index uh, by the World Economic Forum. I think Malaysia is currently at uh, number 104 out of 153 countries. And the Department of Statistics of Malaysia said that there has been an increase in women's empowerment in politics. Although a different picture is actually being painted internationally where we lower, the rank, the rank was lowered actually in women's uh, participation in politics. So globally, you can see that as much as there's a uh, fight for equality, uh, but there's still a lot more uh, issues that's not being addressed, issues that's not being talked about because it is being talked about in the context of capitalism. So in order for there to be gender equality, we have to have a systemic change. Right. So as a socialist, we believe that um, gender... uh, Maybe some people might have differing thoughts about this, but I believe that uh, you cannot achieve gender equality in the context of capitalism. Why not? Uh, Because of how it is structured. It is capitalism is a structure of domination. It's a structure where there is a ruler and there's someone to be dominated. It's a system of exploitation. Socialism is fighting for equality of all human beings. Right. Right. So, and when you think about even feminism, it's not just about equality of men and women, but mm-hmm. femininity of everyone in the context of, and you're looking at all the relationships between like race and class and all the other things. So in a capitalist system, in an imperialist system, um, to achieve gender equality, it's, it, it will only look like through the reforms and policies. But in actuality, for there to be real gender equality, for there to be participation of women um, and, and the liberation of women, that I believe can only happen in a non-capitalist system. 
Right. So, for example, according to the Department of Statistics Malaysia, the mean monthly salaries and wages by male employees were around 2,963 ringgit and females were getting 7% lesser. If you look at where Malaysia ranks globally, um, it is 112 on its 2021 Global Gender pay, uh, gender Gap Index, while countries like Philippines and Thailand um, ranked 17th and 79, respectively. So that just goes to show how low, um, how, how badly Malaysia is doing when it comes to the, the income gap between men and women. And of course, this, and this isn't even taking into considerations um, the, the effect of the pandemic and what the fallout of the pandemic um, has done. And of course, that has only widened the gap between men and women in the workforce. Most of the sort of Nordic countries like Ireland, Sweden, they are really on top. Right. You know, they are top in terms of their gender gap index. But one thing that we need to be mindful about, because this gender gap index was developed by uh, the UN there is criticism of this index itself. Although right. it is widely cited, criticism of how it is being formulated, it's complex and it makes it difficult and it seems to marginalise countries on a lower socioeconomic scale. Right. Right. So like, for example, like uh, around reproductive um, health, you know, that's not so much around gender difference that has more to do with the, the difference in the socioeconomic gap. Right. In certain countries. So so even the index that we are using to look at gender inequalities itself, it needs to have a more critical analysis on it. There is uh, an article written in the Feminist Economics Journal in 2013 where there's more details on how and what can be included. Um, but what I would say is that as general public, what we need to remember is that currently we are all thinking from a very colonised mindset without us realising, you know, because this is the world that we have been exposed to. So what an, a, a different way of sort of uh, measuring and what should be included needs to be something that is more critical on what are the ways in which class struggles play out when it comes to gender inequality. When you want to talk about gender inequality, you have to talk about the class struggles. You have to talk about the class inequalities and not just look at it as men and women. You know, you must look at it in the context of how uh, an economy of the country is doing. You know, who are the dominant forces? But even when we look at Nordic countries, they are still part of the global capitalist system, right? They may be perhaps uh, centre-left, mm -hmm. but they are still within a capitalist framework. So what are the Nordic countries doing that other capitalist countries aren't? Right. But is it really gender equality? Because gender equality, like as a woman, it's about the liberation of women. Right. It's about being able to think outside of the capitalist mindset, the mindset that we've been taught to think, you know, about uh, profit making, what is success, uh, what is freedom and things like that. So these countries, perhaps what they are doing that is different is, you know, more participation of women in politics, right. laws that favours uh, women's freedom, you know, uh, where men are not being the person that is making decisions for women, education of women. So perhaps these countries that are more liberal, but it's still in the context of capitalist right. society. What would gender equality in a socialist mindset look like is that a freedom is not just, uh, or equality is not just equality of the gender, right? It's you fighting for equality of everyone. 
right? So in countries where, say, there are gender equality being achieved or the gap is smaller, um, exploitation might be happening in other areas, right? right. So uh, maybe poverty is still existing, right? So in a socialist ideal world would be that freedom and equality is for everyone, not just for men and women. What you're saying is, um, yes, in a, in a capitalist framework, certain level of equality can be achieved. But for that level of equality to be achieved, other areas must be sacrificed. That means um, Nordic countries might be oppressing indirectly the global south so that they can uh, have a certain amount of wealth to provide equality across the genders. Whereas um, in a socialist framework, getting rid of the exploitative nature altogether and hence when a certain um, you know, equality is achieved across genders, it wouldn't come at the expense of other communities, other groups and, and so on and so forth. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, I think, you know, welcome to socialism, Dash. I think <laughs> you did such a good job, you know, articulating that. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. It's about the pain of another is also my pain, regardless of your nation, regardless of your gender, regardless of your class. On the show with me today is Christine Gabriel of PSM's Gender Bureau. After the break, we discuss representation and Italy's first female Prime Minister. Keep it here on Think Left on Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Think Left on Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Dashran Johan, and on the show with me today is Christine Gabriel, PSM's Gender Bureau. And we're talking about gender equality and how it intersects with socialism. So, Christine, what does socialism say about traditional gender roles? Traditional gender roles is a problem when it is not a choice, mm. right? So, I think that we need to be mindful that it's not about, um, okay, you know, men must be house husbands or men must do housework and women must go out and work. It's not about that. It's about do women and men know that they have choices, choices outside of traditional gender roles, right? So like as a man, do I think that what fulfills me is when I am the breadwinner, right. when I'm productive, when I'm working, when I can take care of the family. Or as a woman, what fulfills me, what fulfills my worth is that I'm a mother, I'm a, I'm a good wife, I'm obedient, um, I sacrifice myself for the family, right? So is that the default mindset that one may have? Because it's, it's the sexual sort of division of labour that, that creates this patriarchy. As a socialist, I believe it's about, it's about recognising that you have choices, like, if I want to be a housewife, it's because I want to be a housewife. Right. Not because it fulfills me, right? Right. But even then, it's it's very challenging, right? Because, like, for me, I would just share something personal very quickly. Um, you know, since I was young, I always wanted to be a housewife. And I wanted to have, like, a big family. I wanted to have, like, six kids. Right. But is that something I wanted? Or is it because of what I've been exposed to? Right. Right? All the fairy tales, Cinderella's, and Snow White's that I've been watching, right? So... If I was exposed to a different consciousness and conversations was different in my home or in, within my peers, would, would my choices look different? Right. What I find peculiar is how when we look at today, many people, at least people we know, may not restrict their wives from working. Right. Um, of course, this also depends on country, community and culture. But even if we look at certain urban, urban liberal circles, 
people aren't necessarily saying, you're a woman, you're not allowed to work, stay at home, you know, that sort of thing. Yet, when the pandemic and lockdown happened, many women quit their jobs to take care of the children while men went out to work. It's as if that's the default setting, right? And then we also know about the troubles that came after and, and you know, women finding it difficult and challenging to re-enter the workforce, so on and so forth. How do we break out of this cycle? Why this happens is because of capitalism. The ways in which there is that inequality in the structure itself, like, say, um, the the wages, right? Men are getting paid more compared to women for the same role, right? right? So, of course, it makes more sense for the women to let go of the job because it's about who can bring in more income, right? Um, and also, you know, but if conversations are happening between between partners about, uh, you know, if, if the women, if it's in a heterosexual relationship, if the women is earning more, then if the man is okay to sort of stay at home because you're earning more, right? right? But that's quite challenging because in a capitalist society, women get discriminated from being hired, you know, because they are seen more of a liability to a company, right? Because Mm -hmm. when they get pregnant and things like that, right? So that's a struggle that's still happening, you know, covertly as well. In order for there for us to break out of traditional gender roles as a fixed way to be, we need to have a, a reform in the way that our system, economic system is. Right. Speaking of choice, do socialists advocate for women to choose even if said choice is to not work a paid job when we know that not working can mean no financial independence? For example, many women who suffered domestic violence don't get a divorce because they feel they can't go anywhere else because they have no money or a house. They feel trapped. Well, so I, I believe that once a person is is uh, accepting or understanding the ideology of socialism, the choice to for freedom and liberation will by default be about me nurturing my talents. Right. right? It doesn't become about, oh, I, I believe my talent is to be a housewife. Because this idea of like being a housewife or being a provider, a breadwinner, is a mindset that's been shown. That that was what you've been shown, right? So in a socialist world, at least, it's about how can I use my talents? How can I use my gifts? How can I nurture them? All right? And understanding that my worth is not in my role. So two things I take away from what you just said. One, if people understood equality beyond just that, but also understand how class and equality intersect, then more than likely they will not choose a path that is less equitable or a path that will leave them without money or materials such as a house. And more importantly, too, unlike a capitalist system, in a socialist system, your value as a human being would not be reduced to your ability to generate wealth in the first place. Yes. One of the arguments that we tend to hear sometimes um, is how, you know, feminism is an attack on men or how, you know, pushing for a more gender equal society, you know, is attacking men. But wouldn't a more gender equal society benefit men as well? You know, when I, when I first, when as you were asking me this question, you know, I'm thinking about um, this word benefit, you know, and how does it like benefit men? Mm. And then... As a woman, I have a reaction of like, wow, you know, men have been having privileges 
throughout the system, you know. And then here again, we are thinking about how gender equality right. benefits men. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a very, that's a very, very important question, Dash, because a lot of men in reality are feeling that they are being oppressed. As more and more women is being involved or voices are being heard, the feeling that you get is a feeling of oppression, right? But that's what it means when you have to let go of privileges that you've been enjoying throughout, I guess, your time. Absolutely. Right. So, but the reality is that um, as much as the patriarchal system seems to have benefited men, right, this concept of privilege, yes, that is true. But what we don't talk about enough, and I think this is a very important thing that we need to talk more about, how patriarchy hurts men. Yes. So it hurts men in ways that it dehumanizes men, mm. right? Men have been conditioned to, to not be human in terms of their emotions, right? Right, you have to be strong. You have to put on a uh, you know macho face. You have to go out there and work. So it dehumanizes men. It takes away a part of them that is so important that makes you human, which then perpetuates things like violence and rage and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then it impacts their mental health. Right. So when men don't realize these things and don't take care of their mental health, women's mental health then gets affected. Right. Right, indirectly, directly, right. So if men can be more human, or if men can start realizing, oh my gosh, this patriarchy system is hurting me too. I need to fight against it, right? Join hands with fellow women to talk about how to create a system that is more hu- humanizing. It's only when men and women start understanding that patriarchy is not benefiting the working class men. Right, it is. It is not. It it seems like it is in some ways. Maybe it does, but there is more liberation. There's more freedom when you can understand patriarchy in the context of class struggle. Then men will be more motivated, hopefully, to fight against patriarchy because only certain group, which is the the wealthy, mm-hmm. the rich, that is benefiting from a patriarchal system. Now, when we talk about the intersectionality between class and gender. I would like to get your thoughts on sex work because a lot of times the debate surrounding sex work, which involves men too, but as we know, most sex workers are women. Um, the debate is generally centered around, you know, how immoral it is or how we shouldn't be morally policing women and, and that it is their body and hence their choice, which the latter, of course, um, is something that I agree with. However, I think something that needs to also be discussed more is what has led most sex workers to, quote-unquote, choose this path in the first place. I'm talking about a lack of economic opportunities. I'm talking about poverty. I'm talking about being in an environment that doesn't allow for upward social or socioeconomic mobility. Talk to me a little bit more about this. Of course, you know, sex work... Uh, as a job itself, it needs to be seen as a person's choice of, okay, mm-hmm. this is how I want to get income. Right. right. But in the context of what you're talking about, right, in terms of the economy, um, is it really a choice? That's mm-hmm. a question. You know, was it really a choice? In fact, even that uh, there is, you know, I was just talking to uh, a friend of mine who's very uh, active with uh, talking to and and doing research and and, uh, communicating with sex workers about how 
um, when an individual is in the working sector, you go and you work, you know, in a capitalist society, the discrimination, the oppression, the the sort of like squeezing them out of their work hours and paying them sort of peanuts uh, makes it difficult for you to stay in the working force. Right. Right. That it feels easier to be a sex worker. Right. Right. Like I don't have to apply for leave. Uh, or, or at least it's granted to me, you right. know, like my, my rights as a human being to rest, I, I have it right. as compared to if you are working with companies that are, you know, overtime's not being paid and 12 hours a day and things like that, right? So that's that's where, like, yeah, it may seem like I'm choosing to be a sex worker, but is that really a choice? Which is why whenever people talk about banning sex work, because it is immoral, etc., etc., my question is always, we can argue about the morality till the cows come home. But before talking about banning, what are you as a government or as a state doing to improve the lives of marginalised women and just marginalised people in general? Because while some people do it out of genuine choice or passion, most people in sex work don't come from upper middle class families or, or ultra wealthy families um, do they they, they are risking ex- these uh, most people are risking exploitation because it is the only source of income when you have no access to education no access to job opportunities what do you do definitely definitely the conversation need to definitely shift towards the economics you know and less about shaming mm-hmm. less about discriminating you know, and, and looking more into the complexity of how it is connected to economics, how it's connected to um, even sexual minorities, uh, trans women are also being discriminated at workplaces, right? There's no laws that uh, protects them. Now, just switching gears a little bit, um, another aspect I want to discuss with you in this context is this idea of representation. Um, because this is something else that progressives push for. Um, for example, we need more women representation. And one example is um, we need 30% women in parliament or pushing. We need to have uh, more women leaders, uh, more women as prime ministers, as presidents, and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, I, I want to get a, a socialist perspective on this in particular because let's look at Italy, for example. Mm-hmm. Italy just elected their first ever woman prime minister, Georgia Maloney. On the one hand, you can look at it and say that's progress because first ever women prime minister, we are finally getting some representation at the highest level of government. But on the other hand, we know that she is as right wing as they come. She has ties to the dictator Mussolini. She is a hardcore right winger. She pushes for fascist policies Mm -hmm. or at least she is very fascist in her speeches. Mm -hmm. As a socialist, how do you process this? Right. When a person is already in that sort of like capitalist mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you know, even though I'm a woman, but I, and I'm, especially when I'm in a position of power and I'm a leader, my mind is not about equality for all. Right. Right. Are you representing the general population, which are the working class, right? Are you the face that is representing them? Right? Or are you the face that's representing the few top billionaires? Right. Right? Like who, who, you know, even though you're women, but what are your policies about? You know, how, what are you fighting for? Right? Even if you want to talk about gender equality, but if that is being spoken in the context of capitalism, it is still coming with exploitation right. of some form of groups. Right? So as a socialist, 
you know, it is more important to, of course, have someone with socialist ideologies in who, in terms of their lifestyle, in terms of their ideology, in terms of their practice, to be in a position of power, because then you would do systemic changes, right? So it's not it's nothing to celebrate too much about. Oh, yeah, we have women in the parliament if they are continuing to perpetuate a system that is exploitative, because without them realizing they are also carrying patriarchal values. Like women, as much as we think, you know, men are the ones who are patriarchal, but women have very strong inherent patriarchal right. um, conditioning that's within them. Without them realizing they could be oppressing or discriminating fellow women themselves, especially women from working class. Do you then think that the conversation should be more nuanced when talking about representation because a lot of times people just say, okay, we need 30% of X, maybe 30% of women, 30% of Indians, 30% of non-whatever, you know, certain races, certain genders, so on and so forth. And then that automatically becomes a a sort of victory Um, and people do victory laps, right? But do you think that the the whole idea of representing, you know, this, this conversation about representation needs to be more nuanced. It's just like when Obama was elected president, right? And and it was great, right? It was great to look at. It was great to celebrate the first black president in the history of the United States, right? This That was unprecedented in its own right. But when you look at what Obama actually accomplished uh, throughout his tenure in the United States as, as the president, um, he didn't liberate um, the working class masses, whether it's black folks or even white folks, Asian folks, nothing. You know, he didn't alleviate prop- poverty among uh, the lower class people of America. He sold more weapons to Saudi, um, to the Middle East, uh, to fund wars in the Middle East more than any other president that came before him up, up to that point. So what exactly are we celebrating here? Right. Well, uh, yes, most definitely. I would say that um, I think I believe representation is important. Mm-hmm. All right, let me just say that first. But at the same time, what I'm realizing and recognizing that it's so important for us to look at history, mm. right? Like how history um, has always been about class struggle. Right. right, it's always been about the fight of the working class and 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 capitalism coming about. So, when we want to talk about representation, I believe what is important is the working class needs to be represented. Right, they need to hold the majority of the seats in the parliament, if possible, because they are the voices of the majority. Right. right. So then, when the working class is in the parliament, then we talk about representation. Not the top billionaires, not the capitalists who are working for profit. Right? So this is what we want to think about. you know. And But I also believe that ideology is important. So that's what I would think. Right? Representation is important, but it needs to be about the working class. Right. You remind me of what Fred Hampton once said, which is, we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism. We're going to fight it with socialism, end quote. And I love the way you frame this idea of representation, right? Because what you're essentially saying is that we need parliament to be colourful in terms of race, religion, gender, etc. No questions asked. But it needs to be colourful working class. Because if it is filled with the elites, then it doesn't matter what colour or gender they are. The riot will face the same problems. Gender equality cannot be achieved without socialism. That's what I believe. <laughs> so uh, I hope that everyone will be curious mm-hmm. about what socialism is. Uh, 
be curious about it. It's very important to know um, and to learn and to see how it benefits everyone, not just women only. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dash. That was Christine Gabriel from Party Socialist Malaysia's Gender Bureau. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Think Left on Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.